Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. So, I want to start off looking at a quick story from Mark chapter 12. Uh, Some religious leaders gathered around um, the son of a carpenter, stonemason maybe, and... um, and they had been kind of scheming because they wanted to trap this guy because he was, he was stirring up trouble. This guy's Jesus, of course. And so they gather around him and they, they'd come up, probably took him a long time to come up with this question. You know, this is the one that's going to stump him. Right? You ever come up with that before? Like Maybe it's after the fact, like you have an argument and afterward, are you that person that thinks of the thing you should have said afterward? Like at night, you're like, oh, that would have got him. Yeah. Or... Uh, Anyway, so, so they, they come to Jesus with this question, and they say, is it right to pay Caesar taxes? And he says, well, bring me a coin. And they are probably confused. They bring him a coin. Their hypocrisy is already exposed from the beginning because they're participating in Caesar's economy. Nevertheless, he, they show him the coin. He says, whose image is on it? They say, Caesar's. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And give to God what is God's. That's the end of the story. <laughs> he exposes their hypocrisy. Uh, they came to trap him. And he trapped them with the truth. And he answered their question with a question. He often does this. Have you noticed this pattern with Jesus? They ask him a question, and he answers their question with a question. And then he answers the question behind their question that they didn't even ask, which is, who has the right to rule? He says, give to God what is God's. The image of God is written on the heart of every person. On the life of every person. And give to God what is God's. He's the rightful master of every person. Give to God what is God's. He answers the question behind the question. Later on, uh, some close friends of Jesus and His his first followers um, started to send out messages as they led different communities and um, started writing letters and that we have today uh, in, in Scripture. And in the beginning of these letters, they often identified themselves. And we see this, like, what some, their, their favorite way to label themselves, the favorite title that they took on is very interesting. So I think we've got, you got those passages to throw from Romans 1. So here's Paul. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. So that, that term servant is actually bond servant. In other words, slave by choice. I am a, Paul, he's introduced, this, this is a one, one, okay? This is like the beginning of the letter. Paul, a bond servant, a slave to Christ. All right, so James, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. James in other words, a slave to Christ, a bond servant to Christ. I think we got one more. Is that Peter? Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter, a slave to Christ. So some of your versions are going to say bond servant. And a bond servant is someone who, again, they have the choice whether or not to be free, and they decide to remain a slave. A slave by choice, or a love slave which sounds weird to our ears. But that's truly what it is. Because of a deep love, I choose to be a slave. 
And so this is the way that following Jesus' friends, following him, responded in their lives. The way that they chose to be identified was first and foremost as a slave and a servant. And so as we continue on, as Shannon said, we're continuing on with the series, ways that we grow in grace as we move forward. God has a plan and a purpose for our, for our growth and becoming more like Christ, and we participate with him by... Um, We participate with him as he forms our lives through what we call disciplines or practices, routines that we put in place to help us to join with that work that God's doing in our lives. Whether that's maybe for you waking up in the morning and having some time to pray, maybe it's uh, it's giving, maybe it's it's many things. But um, one that we want to highlight this morning is around submission and obedience. And half the people in the room put their heads down like, oh, what? We're talking about submission and obedience and slavery. What? Uh, yes, we are. Uh, but we need to get our heads on straight around what, what this means, okay? So let me pray as we move ahead. Lord, um, help us. Help us get our heads on straight. Help us to see what, what, it, what did your friends and followers have in mind identifying themselves as slaves, as bond servants to you. And what does that mean for us? In, in our lives today, in the culture that we swim in, God, in, in the streams that we find ourselves in, and how it's, how in, in the ways that it's contrary, God, in the things that you're calling us into, uh, we want to be full on. We want to be a part of what you're doing with us as sons and daughters and as members of your kingdom, Lord. Thank you. So what I want to talk about this morning, we said submission and obedience. And ultimately, what I want to talk about was what it means to be free as a slave. Just like Jesus' friends, to be free as a slave. Now, bear with me, okay? I know there's some mixed signals going on with, with these things that these terms mean to us and the things that we collectively want to fight against, um, but there's something here for us. So first and foremost, let me, let me start with this. I want to look at, at being a bond servant or slave a little bit in depth. So in Romans chapter 6, Paul's writing to people in the, in the capital of the world, okay, at the time, in Rome. And uh, in Romans 6, I think we'll have 16 through 22. Um, so Paul, Paul makes these statements about, about slavery to these guys. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one who you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads, which leads to righteousness. So he's saying it's an either-or. You're going to be a slave. Like Bob Dylan said, right? You've got to serve somebody. Might be the devil, might be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. But Paul's saying it's either-or. But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart, bond servants, to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed. 
For the end of those things is death, but now that you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Whew, okay. Man, Paul, he can roll, huh? So he's saying it's an either or. So you got to choose. You got to serve somebody. And you're going to be a slave to sin or a slave to the Savior. You're going to be a slave to selfishness or a, se- or a slave to righteousness and the Savior. But he says, look at the fruit. Look at the fruit that came from serving over here. It was stuff that you were ashamed of. What's the fruit in your life of being a slave to sin? Is it Who feels good about it? Oh, it's great, right? I love being addicted to gambling. It's the best, right? No, no, no. Like being a slave to sin and selfishness and the flesh, like the fruit of that is not good, but the fruit of being a slave to righteousness, it leads to, it leads to flourishing. It leads to wholeness. It leads to healing. It leads to marriages that get restored. It leads to fathers and daughters' hearts being turned to each other, right? There's all kinds of good things that come from being a slave to righteousness. So we are, um, the, the, first, the first point I want to make is that you've got to serve somebody. And whoever you serve is going to yield fruit, okay? Now, the problem, the problem with being a slave is that a slave doesn't have any rights, even as a bondservant, you're choosing to not have rights. And that's something that we recognize and we're disgusted by rightfully when people are coerced into having no rights and being submitted and coerced into slavery to other humans. Right? That's something that we collectively want to battle against. Right? Sex trafficking, human trafficking, human enslavement, which is a vast issue today, even in our community right here, right? That's something that we're rightfully repulsed by because a slave has no rights. We, were, um, we have an, an image of one of the most impacting um, experiences of being able to go to Senegal together with Shannon and some others from the community is going to Gore Island, which is historically kind of the, the launching place of, um, of trafficking from the African continent to North America. Okay, so from 16th to 19th centuries, this place was kind of the, the, um, the gathering and wholesale ground for human slaves. Okay, so to walk this island as an American... It does something to you and um, recognize that you're walking these paths that were also walked by people who had no rights because of those who had captured, slave, enslaved, purchased, and sold. So that's the issue is is that slavery is a, is a revoking of rights. Now, the difference of being, um, being a bondservant of Jesus is this. First of all, Jesus never coerces us, right? What does he say? Come, follow me. It's always, always an invitation. And there's always, always something better on the other end of it. Jesus never coerces us into submission. He invites us. Jesus never says these words that sometimes we say in our weakness as parents, and maybe I'm sure you heard from some of you from your parents, 
And we say, do this. And the child says, why? And the answer is, with a shout. Because I said so. Because I said so. In other words, because I'm bigger than you. Okay? And what are we training them in? Might makes right. And if you're bigger, you get to, you get to say. And if I raise my children saying, because I said so when they're 18 and there's no one saying so anymore, guess what happens? Guess what happens? Somebody help me. It's party time, right? There's a term we used to use that I won't repeat this morning about what happens to kids who grow up under I said so. But Jesus never does that. And the Lord never does that. Like when he gives a commandment all throughout history. If you read the book of Exodus. And God gives a command to his people. It's always followed by something. You know what it was? It's followed by history. He says, for I am the Lord who delivered you from bondage. Do this because I am the one who provided for you in the wilderness. Because I was the one who's... He always points to his history, to his track record. Are you with me? He always, you with me? He always points to something that's already taken place. He points to his character. So we're never blindly obeying the Lord. We're, there, there's no such thing as, as a blind leap of faith. Okay? Because we're not blind... We're, we're alive to God's character and history, what he's done for those before us. In other words, we have a great cloud of witnesses, right? And some of us, we've experienced things in our lives that we can't deny. The Lord was with me, and he's saying, now take this step, because remember, I was with you. And we're like, or maybe it's because I was with your grandmother. You haven't known me, but I've been. He always points to something. He never yells at us, I said so, because I said so. He never puts us in chains and says, no, you're going to follow me whether you like it or not. God doesn't do that. That's the difference of being a bondservant, a slave to righteousness, to Jesus. And this is what meekness looks like, which um, I taught on, I don't know, what was that, a year ago or sometime earlier in the year. Um, meekness, I used to think, was weakness. <laughs> that... That meekness meant like being, being timid and fearful and afraid of like every, you know, a bump in the night. Meekness is, is more like a horse that's broken. It's full of power and that power is under control, yielded to the master. Okay? So that's what we want to cultivate here in our hearts is meekness, power under control. Okay? So this, this is what meekness looks like. It's deciding Jesus lead me. Jesus, I'll be a bondservant. I'll be a slave to righteousness. And we're, we're invited. We're invited into a family. Jesus invites us into a family, and he invites us into a kingdom. And sometimes we want, we want the warmth of a family without the light. <laughs> Have you ever seen a plant growing before that has a lot of warmth but no light? If a seed gets planted too, too deeply, my wife's a master gardener, she'll correct me. Seed that gets planted too deeply and the warmth kicks in, what is it? It starts to search for the light. And what you get, if there's no light exposed to that, the plant's exposed to, you get a pale, kind of wimpy plant. And it can't find, and then once it finds the light, then it kind of kicks off and it starts to photosynthesize and it turns green. Okay? Sometimes we're like that. We like the warmth, but we don't want the light. Okay? <laughs> We want to feel good, but we don't want to get exposed. We don't want to give up the things that we want to, that we want to cling to. But it, they go hand in hand, okay? 
So I just want to, I don't want to neglect to make this comment. If there's something that you're knowingly withholding, okay, an area of your life that you're deliberately withholding, an area of, of sin or surrender that you're deliberately withholding from Jesus, you're not walking with Jesus, you're walking in proximity to Jesus. And that's a fearful place to be. You with me? I know some people are hearing that, and you're like, yeah, right on. And some people are hearing, man, that's harsh. That's just the truth. Okay, a lot of people spent time in proximity to Jesus, and he'd say, who touched me? And the disciples are like, everybody's touching you. Are you kidding me? He said, no, somebody is with me right now. And there's lots of people in proximity, but somebody's with me right now. And there's a woman saying, I touched you. I'm so sorry. And he says, be healed. Okay? Surrender to Jesus is the place to be. But here's the thing about surrendering to Jesus is that he doesn't just ask for the, good, for the bad things. And this is where we want to go. He asks for some other things. Can you guess what they are? Not just the bad things, but the good things. Okay, so I've had a lot of conversations with people who wanted to give up bad things. I've been there. I never met somebody who was struggling with something really bad, and they were like, yeah, I'm just so excited about this addiction. I just love it. I love it. I love the fruit in my life. There might be some conflict. I love the way it makes me feel, but oh, I hate this in my life, right? It might be conflicted, but bad bad things, those are kind of easy to at least want to give up. Now, it's the good things that are hard. It's these good things that Jesus puts his finger on, and he says, you need to lay this down. You need to lay that gifting down. You need to lay it down your own righteousness. So the Pharisees were, um, you know, we, get, we give the Pharisees, if you're familiar with New Testament and Scripture, the religious leaders, Pharisees, um, we, we, we get down on those guys. You know, they're easy, they're easy targets. We're like, oh, don't want to be a Pharisee. Um, Jesus loved the Pharisees. He wept over them. And he was continually pleading with them, lay down your own righteousness. Lay down what you have that can complete you. Lay down what you have that can get you into the kingdom. And they weren't down with that. And Jesus wept over those guys. Jesus talked with, uh, with someone that we call the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. I'll just paraphrase. Mark chapter 10, 17 through 27. A man came to Jesus and he said, hey, I want to follow you. And he says, Okay. And he breaks it down. He's like, I've done everything right. I haven't lied. I haven't committed adultery. I've honored my parents. And Jesus doesn't call him out for lying. He says, I've upheld all these commandments. And Jesus says, there's one thing you're holding on to. There's one thing you're holding on to. You need to give everything away, that all of your possessions away, and come follow me. First of all, it says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And he tells him this. And the guy was sad. He was downcast. And he walked away. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Now, we know that, like, Jesus doesn't tell everybody that, right? Jesus doesn't walk around saying, you can't own anything, and you need to give that away, and you need to get, like, he doesn't do that. In this one case, this was the thing that this dude was holding on to, and Jesus put his finger on it, and he walked away sad. It's not the bad things. It's the good things that we cling to. It's the good things that we often cling to that Jesus wants us to lay down. 
So I want to talk about this. I want to break this down a little bit, and I want to look at our rights. I want to look at our rights. These are good things. These are God-given rights. For those of us who have his image written on us, which is everybody in this room, I want to break down some rights, six of them. Six rights that Jesus puts his finger on and says, am I going to be Lord of your life or not? So let me break these down, all right? I'm going to just rattle off a list quick. Acceptance. The right to acceptance. Being loved, cared for, understood. The right to accomplishment. Being successful, being able to use your time and resources in a way that, that you really... Um, feel is most effective, acceptance, accomplishment, provision, possession, safety, protection, and security, assurance for the future. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break these down just a bit, okay? So acceptance, being understood, cared for, and loved. We... So we read in Philippians, as Paul's talking about Jesus in Philippians 2, 7 through 9, that Jesus was of no reputation. He humbled himself. So we read this just a little while ago. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Okay, so another way, that that, another way that that gets translated is Jesus became of no reputation. How do, you, how do you feel when your reputation gets poked? How do you feel about that? When you get misunderstood. And Jesus stood before Pilate in Mark chapter, uh, let's see, John chapter 19. Jesus is on trial before the official, before the judge, the, the person with all the power. And, um, and Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? Jesus, he's asking Jesus questions. He's saying, hey, hey, is this true? And Jesus gives no response. He says, aren't you going to answer me? And Jesus was of no reputation. <laughs> he didn't feel the need to defend himself. How many people can, can you relate with that? You don't feel the need to defend yourself when you're misunderstood? Jesus was okay, like he wasn't on the cross being like, no, 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 y'all got it all wrong. See, here's the thing, if you go back to Isaiah, and then there's Jeremiah, and then there's Ezekiel, and if you look, see, you got it wrong, check your references. Like, he didn't do that. He was okay not having the last word. Can you, can you say the same? Can I say the same? My wife will shake her head. Can, am I okay not having the last word when I'm misunderstood in a meeting? And I'm like, Ugh! And my wife puts her hand on my leg like, Calm down. That's real. I need the last word in that Facebook argument. I, I don't get into that. I have other issues. Um, so acceptance. Jesus laid down his right to acceptance, to comfort, to being cared for, to being understood. Accomplishment. It's the second one to mention. Our right to Accomplishment. Third, our right to provision. So these, again, context, these are the good things that Jesus puts his finger on. He says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to lay these things down. Now, does that mean that you're not worthy of? Are you worthy as a son or daughter? Yes. 
Are you worthy of being understood and cared for? Yes. Are there times when Jesus says, follow me into not being understood? Yes. As a bond servant. Are there times when Jesus says, follow me into not achieving your greatest accomplishments? Yes. I'm going to use this, this vocation right now to train you. Yes. I'm going to use this boss. I'm going to use um, this boss to refine you. Yes. Does that happen? Yes. Okay. Acceptance, accomplishment, provision. I remember a moment where uh, when our daughter Judah was born, just down the road on Park Street, uh, we were 22 at the time. Em and I were both 22. Judah had just been born. And um, we were kind of in that, in that moment. We were at Meritor, and we were trying to get in on like a double meal, like so I could eat too. But then I had, so, and that wasn't working out, but they have good ice. They have good crushed ice. Anybody? Get that Meritor cup, you know what I'm talking about? Um, so, but I had this moment where I wanted to, um, I wanted to bring my wife lunch at the hospital, and it was going to be Chipotle, okay? So we're talking 15 bucks here. The problem was we had zero bucks. We had no money. And we had chosen, a, the Lord had led us into a vocation that not only did we not get paid, we, got, we paid to do. We were, we were gathering and equipping young missionaries. And we didn't, not only we didn't get paid, we paid to do the work. And so we were, we, and that, was a, that, was, that was what we were in the middle of. And I said, no, I'm going to go get Chipotle for lunch because I deserve it. Look at what we're doing. And our daughter was just born. That's what we deserve it. We didn't have the money and I put it on a card, but I didn't have money for, and I went and got the burritos, and I was like, we're going to get these burritos, because we're, we deserve it. I have the right to provision, and I have the right to burritos. And I take them back on Park Street, I st- went down to State Street, and I come back to Park Street, and I'm like, here, we're going to enjoy this, and we're going to celebrate. And then the Lord convicted my heart, because of my entitlement. Oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I am not entitled to burritos or anything else. He says, what do you deserve? And I say, you're right. So I repent. And then later on, I was, I was driving. I was, I was on the east side. We have no money. But we have burritos that we're digesting. And I'm driving on the east side. And I was in the middle of this. I was like, the Lord really gripped my heart. I was, I was really, this really hit me hard. And I look under, um, and I get out of the car, pull into a parking lot, get under the I, I look down, and there's a dollar in the parking lot. And I felt this peace fill my, this is so funny. I'm talking about $16 so far, okay? This peace filled my heart. And the Lord said, I am with you, and I will provide for you, but not like that. Because I love you, not because you're entitled. I'm going to be a father to you, not an employer to you. You with me? You're going to be a son and not a staff. That's not what this relationship is. Acceptance, accomplishment, provision, possession, safety. 
and security. On safety. You know, we, we this is another thing that, like, this, this gets confusing. And we're in we're, the culture that we swim in, this stuff gets chopped up, it gets mixed up. This is a countercultural message that we would surrender and obey. Okay? Um, we often uh, talk to friends in, in nations who are under persecution as Christians. And we're, what is our first response? We want to pray that they won't be hurt. We want to pray for protection. And they're saying, no, 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 no. Don't pray that it stops. Pray that the kingdom comes. Oh, a guy who was in jail in, in Iran. And his mom's, his mom's praying that he doesn't get released until God's will is done. And you're like, no, it's our right to be safe. And Jesus says, you gave that to me, didn't you? you did you give that to me or did you not? See, there's no halfway obedience to Jesus. There's no, there's no part way. It's all in or not. We're either with him or we're in proximity. Security. This assurance of the future. I remember a moment where I felt so stuck in my life. It's about seven years ago, and I felt so stuck. And I wanted more than anything for God to speak to me and tell me what to do. There's a bigger story to this. There's some choices in front of me, and I didn't know what to do, and I felt so stuck. And I was like, God, you need to tell me what to do. And I'm washing dishes. I was at home alone. I'm washing the dishes. And um, as I'm washing the dishes, I just felt this. You ever feel the, the Holy Spirit, like, touch you? You ever feel the Spirit, like, touch you in a way that he's like, bring it. Bring it. You know, the beginning of, I think it's Isaiah, it says, come, let us argue together. And that's why I was like, all right, we're going to have this out. So I'm like, I get to the point where I'm yelling, I'm washing dishes. This is me again. It's not burritos this time. It's like, so I'm washing dishes and I'm like, you need to speak to me. Look at what we've done. Look at all that we've given to you. You need to, you need to tell me what the future holds. You need to guide me because look at what we've done. And I'm yelling. I'm using some choice words I won't repeat right now. And, and finally, it's all out of me. And I'm like, oh. and I felt this little whisper in my heart saying, that's why I'm not speaking to you. That's why. That's your problem. And I stood there in the kitchen. It's on the near east side behind Ella's Deli. You with me? Near east siders. And I put my hand on the counter. I'm like, oh, Jesus. I am your servant. If you never speak to me again, I will follow you. I don't deserve the goodness to hear your sweet voice and to be guided by you. You've given me all I need. If you want to speak to me, I will welcome it. Make me like a sail that is ready to receive the wind. I'll run with you. Security. I'll lay down my right to security and assurance of the future. See, when, our, when, these rights, when these rights get challenged, we have a few different responses. We respond in worry. We respond in anger. Or we respond in greed. Worry, anger, or greed. These irritations, these irritations come our way. The thing is that we can't ex escape. Not only can we not escape irritations, but God uses them 
in our lives to shape us and to form us. God uses them. Have any of you ever, anybody in this room ever prayed for patience? God, make me more patient. That's a nice prayer. You know how God answers that prayer? No, 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 no. Pray that one if you want it, okay? You can't be halfway on that. But God made me patient. He brings somebody into your life who will help you grow in patience. <laughs> patience requires opportunity. And um, so these irritations come our way, and, and God provides the opportunity as we see ourselves respond in anger, in worry, or greed. And he says, That's, what's that getting at? That's getting at a right that you haven't surrendered. You have the opportunity to follow me, to walk with me. So where are you at? And I'm not, I'm not talking to you from like from way up. That's why I'm not on the stage because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm number one suspect, as my wife can attest to, on Tuesday night. I almost got in a fight with a guy wielding a syringe, shirtless man, like looking rough. And, and he's coming at me, and I'm, I'm like, this is a longer story. This, is, this, was, in, this was in Barcelona, okay, on, on, on Tuesday night, okay? I can tell you the story sometime. Kyle will buy you coffee, and I'll tell you the story. Um, and it turns into this big ordeal because my rights are getting poked. And there was an unjust, unjust situation, but that's not what it was about in the end. God's working with me on that. Another way that God's working with me, and this has been a couple of years now, and I've never spoken with anybody about this except for a couple of my kids, what I call in my head the paper towel challenge. That anytime I'm in a public restroom, Jesus called me. If there's paper towel on the floor, I pick it up. I'm serious. I pick it up. You with me? Anybody felt that conviction? Anybody want to take the paper towel challenge? There will be, this will be the cleanest restroom city in America. To pick it up. And you know what God has done through that? Is keep me grounded. Keep me grounded and attached to him. Saying, Jesus, I don't want to, look at that. I don't want to do that. No, you can do that. Okay, you're right. I can do that. Because I remember the burrito. Jesus. All right. So, I want, you to, I want you to imagine, I've got a couple of buckets up here, which I don't have. I want you to imagine I've got a couple of buckets up here. You guys have good imaginations, right? Imagine I have a couple of buckets up here. One, one bucket is full of acid. One bucket is full of honey, okay? One bucket's full of acid. One bucket's full of honey. And you, you come and you walk along and you give this one a good kick. And what comes out? Acid, acid comes out in your leg, you know, kind of gets your pant, first your pants and then your skin and then it kind of gets dissolved and eh, what's left of your leg, you kind of hobble over here and you kick this bucket and guess what comes out of this one? I don't hear you listening again. Okay, the kick doesn't create the contents of the bucket. It only reveals it. Last time you were kicked, what came out? Last time you were cut off in traffic, what came out? Last time you were misunderstood, what came out? 
Last time you saw some position on social media that you did not agree with, what came out? So I want to I want to try to make this I want to bring this down from the clouds into the dirt and just just make this practical. I want to I want to challenge you to think very tangibly, very specifically. What's come out of you lately? Because what that what that reaction? What I want you to do is think about what happened. And often, it's a dollar that God uses to refine it. He's so committed to us that He'll use anything. You with me? Anything. What happened? And then I want you to take a couple steps forward and think about why did it happen. And then I want to challenge you to think about who you can involve, who you can include, who you can, we call it confession, right? Who you can include in this process and confess to, which, by the way, is commanded in James, the book of James. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other so that you will be healed, not just forgiven, but healed because the prayers of a righteous person are super powerful. We need to stand with each other in prayer. So what happened? Why did it happen? And who can you include? And then take action as God leads you. What does it look like to take action around that and just wait for God to challenge that right again? Because <laughs> he will. He's committed. He's so committed. Okay. I want to um, just share a few more things. I, you guys, I, God has like planted this vision in my mind, okay, and in my heart. And this is what we're working toward as a church. This is what we're working for, toward as a community, as a family, those of us in this community is a community, a movement of people who have laid down their rights to Jesus. And we are so free that we can drive Benzes or we can ride bikes, okay? Because we're not attached to it. We can work in executive suites or we can work in the slums and feel at ease and comfortable because we don't need it. The question is not, can you have it? The question is, do we need it? And are we, are we free as slaves? Are we free? Are we dead to sin in the flesh? So that we can hold these things open-handedly and Jesus says, go, and we go. And Jesus says, give, and we give. And Jesus says, take, and we take. You with me? What if we were a part of a movement that was so grounded in the gospel, so grounded in the practice of, of submission and obedience to the Master Jesus Christ that we could freely give and take, run and stay, and it's and it never grabs our hearts. See this as we as we surrender our rights as God leads us, it impacts us and it changes us and it makes us better stewards. It, it it enables us to to steward the things that God wants to give anyway, but steward them as sons and daughters and not as God's employees, which He wants to do in us. It also so it has an impact on us. It has an impact on others. We show that image of Gore Island and Senegal. As we lay down our rights, as we submit our rights to security and safety and provision, God changes things for others. We lay down our lives so that others can find them. We lay down our rights so that others can have them. Are you with me? 
Isaiah 58, 10. In Isaiah 58, there's this beautiful picture where God's telling his people what kind of fast he wants from them. And he says these things in, in Isaiah 58, 10. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, you lay down your rights, your light will shine. It will rise in the darkness and the gloom. Your gloom be as the noonday. So God, and there's all these promises that follow that. We pour ourselves out. See, as we lay down our rights, it changes us and it changes things for others as well. I want to just give a couple of quick stories and then we'll be done, okay? So, which is a preacher's way of saying, here we go for another hour. Um, there was a dear friend when I, my life was, my life was changed and impacted at a church camp up in the panhandle of Texas called Cedar Canyon, shout out, and um, as, a, as an 18 year old, I finally made the decision to follow Jesus, and as we're worshiping together, a dear brother who, uh, who was, um, had severe cerebral palsy, wheelchair bound, completely free. We're worshiping, we used to sing this song, um, I will rise up and bow down and lay my crown at his wounded feet. Anybody sing that? You know that song? I won't sing it for you now. I will rise up and bow down and lay my crown at his wounded feet. And so we're singing this song and this brother grabs the microphone and he says, I can't stand. I never have. But one day when Jesus comes to make all things right, I will stand for the first time, and when I do, I will bow down to him because he is worthy. God did something in my heart that night. He stirred a, a call to obedience to him, to the master, the true master, the one who's both good and wise. And he was worthy of my life as well. Last thing, years ago, I heard this, this story, and it, it impacted me, and I want to share it with you now, um, but a beggar in India many years ago who uh, was sitting by the roadside begging, and he'd, and he'd been begging all day long, and all he had was some rice in his bowl, and yet off in the distance, he heard the sound of the, the regional prince, the Raja coming, passing by that way, which was very uncommon. And so he decided, if I can just position myself by the roadside and call out for mercy, maybe our prince will have mercy on me and give me a few coins. So he readies himself, and the caravan of elephants is coming, and he calls out, Raja, Raja, have pity on your servant. And there's a call to halt, and the prince comes down, and he stands face to face and he looks him in the eyes and he says, would you give me some of your rice? The beggar's heart starts to pound. He's like, he's asking me. He's asking me. So he looks down in his bowl and he pulls out and drops in the prince's hand one, two, three grains of rice. And the prince held his eyes standing near to him. He says, thank you. He climbs back up. The caravan takes off. And he's full of, he's full of, um, of grief. And he's like, how could he ask me? 
How could he ask me for the little bit that I have when he has so much? And he looks down in his bowl and he sees one, two, three grains of gold. And he cries out, oh, prince, prince, if I'd only known, if I'd only known, I would have given you everything. I'd only known, I would have given you everything. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the true master. You are the one who is worthy. You are the one who's worthy of our obedience. You're the one who's worthy of our lives, of us to lay down our rights unto, because you give so much more when we give to you. You give so much more in return. Thank you, Lord. I want to point us back to Philippians 2, 6 through 8 as we move toward communion. Communion is an opportunity for us to partake in Jesus' servanthood for us, in his choice to be a bondservant and to lay down. He didn't see being like God as something to be obtained to, but laid down all his rights so that his body would be broken and his blood shed for us. Back to Philippians 2, 6-8. He who was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let's partake in his sacrifice for us today. Amen.